0: Hey everybody, it's good to be with you again here on the Bible and Life podcast. I've had a really kind of crazy last couple of weeks with a lot of traveling and just totally out of my routine. So it's good to be back together. It's good to be in the routine. Two highlights really of the last couple of weeks. Uh, one was being with my nephew and his new bride celebrating their wedding uh, together. And that was just a lot of fun. It was really a beautiful wedding a great ceremony. The other highlight was... Uh, Getting to visit my wife's grandma up in northern Idaho and spending some time with family up there, that was just uh, a lot of fun. So that was great, and it's just been really a good time of totally different routine, but it's good to kind of settle back in and get back into the normal groove of things and, and be able to be together here on this podcast today. Um, One really little exciting uh, thing that uh, is happening just today, uh, as you listen to this podcast, um, two hard drives are on their way to the Philippines with uh, my Bible Study Skills course and my uh, Bible Survey course on there, and they're going to be used to help equip and train pastors and leaders in some rural churches in the Philippines. That's pretty exciting, and along with those hard drives are some uh, children's books explaining the story of Jesus for really kids in just a real simple way that my wife's Aunt Sue wrote, and all of that's heading out on this very day, heading to the Philippines on Tuesday, and so that's just great, and uh, I'm super excited for that and praying that the Lord will use those really in a way way beyond what we could ask or imagine for His purposes, for His honor, for His glory there. If you want to keep up on any of those things or see any pictures of that kind of stuff, uh, feel free to jump onto my Facebook page or Instagram feed and follow me on Facebook or on Instagram, and you can stay in the loop with some of that sort of stuff, and love to connect with you that way as well. All right, we have been uh, working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and in our last episode, we began looking at what is probably one of the more familiar sections of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's the Lord's Prayer. And we uh, began with kind of an overview of that and then just looked at the first couple lines of the Lord's Prayer. And in this episode, we want to continue walking through the Lord's Prayer and just letting it really teach us some things about prayer and about God and about Jesus. And and so in that last episode where we began looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, we just looked at really the address, Our Father who art in heaven. That's how we Open the Lord's Prayer with this way of addressing God as Father, as Abba, in that uh, family language in terms of Intimacy, And we we explored that in our last episode. And then the next line, hallowed be your name. That's really a request for God's name to be treated with honor and respect. And that we have a part to play in that as, as we, as his children, begin to reflect his likeness and his goodness and his wisdom and his glory back into the world. And so... We, we long for and we pray for God's name to be treated with utmost honor and respect. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what we looked at in our last episode. And so in this episode, we pick up in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 with the very next line of the Lord's prayer. And remember, these are all requests. Hallowed be your name is request. And this next one thy kingdom come, thy will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the next request. Well, what's what's this request about? Well, God's kingdom really equals God's reign. God's kingdom refers to God's rule or God's reign and really when we say your kingdom come your will be done in a lot of ways we're we're asking those two lines are asking the same thing that God's kingdom has to do with God's will, that God's kingdom, God's reign is where what God wants done is done, where God's will is done. And right now in heaven, what God wants done is done routinely and regularly all the time. But on earth where we live, it's a mixed bag. Sometimes God's will is done and sometimes it's not. And so this request for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done This request expresses a longing for what God wants done to be done. It expresses a longing for the reign of evil and death and decay and destruction to be overthrown and vanquished once and for all. This request flows from the vision that sees when God is king, then everything shall be right with the world it flows from the knowledge that that Jesus came announcing God's kingdom God's reign he he came into the world saying God's reign is now at hand in and through the work of Jesus. That he was announcing and ushering in God's reign in a whole new, powerful way. That God's kingdom has broken into this world in the person of Jesus. And we can participate in that. We can experience that. That in Christ, in Jesus, God's kingdom has come and his will is being done in part, if not in full on earth as it is in heaven. And so this kingdom is here um, and we experience it, not fully, not completely. There's more yet to come and hence the reason for the request. And so we want more of it and we pray for it to come in full. Your kingdom come, your reign come, Lord. And that means your will be done here on earth, in my world, in my sphere of influence, in my neighborhood, in my community, in my town. May your reign, your rule, your wisdom, your will be done on earth as in heaven. The next request in the Lord's Prayer is this. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. Give us today our daily bread. Just a couple reflections on that. Notice it says, give us today our daily bread. That's, in essence, a, a request for the bare necessities of life. Daily bread. What we need for life today so we can make it to tomorrow. That's what we're asking. and That's what we're expecting. And this, this request, in a lot of ways, grows out of the history of the Jewish people of which Jesus was a part and these early disciples were a part, they they would hear this and it wouldn't be hard for them in their imagination to think back to the days of Moses, 1400 years before their time when Israel was wandering in the wilderness right after the Exodus and God gave them manna and he gave them bread for today and they were only allowed to gather enough for today and and. and and that's what God provided. Well, this request basically picks up that idea and says, God, we're, we're trusting you to give us what we need for today to make it to tomorrow. And it expresses great confidence in our Father's ability to care for us. In fact, again, Dallas Willard in his comments on the uh the Lord's Prayer says, Imagine like a little kid, little Billy, who who's storing up a little bit of leftover oatmeal at the end of his meal and a little extra piece of bacon, maybe he breaks off the you know, this one day and he's storing all the stuff up because he he's not sure he's gonna have enough for tomorrow. He doesn't even trust his parents to be able to provide him breakfast for the next day. And we would think, man, that's a that's that's troublesome. That's a problem. Well, we have a Heavenly Father who's actually able to provide for our needs. And so, in great confidence, we ask him, God, just give me today what I need for today. Take care of my basic needs of life. And that's the heart of this request. It really, in a lot of ways, is an expression of the The Psalm 23 sort of heart, the Psalm 23 mentality. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want because God is our shepherd, because Yahweh is our good shepherd. We're not going to be in need. He will take care of us. He will make us lie down in green pastures. He will lead us beside still waters, Psalm 23 says. Even, even when we go through hard times in Psalm 23 and we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil, the psalmist writes, because you are with me. Um, well, in that confidence of God, we ask, God, take care of my basic needs of life. Give us today our daily bread. That's what this request is all about. And that Psalm 23, man, that's just been on my uh, mind and heart a lot over the last handful of months. Uh, I read Dallas Willard's uh, book uh, on the Psalm 23 recently, Life Without Lack, and really been praying through Psalm 23. I've known that Psalm for such a long time, but it's different to know the words than it is to live the words. And I'm really trying to learn to live in the confidence of my good shepherd. And, that means living in the confidence that God can give us our daily bread. So give us this day our daily bread. The Lord's Prayer goes on and says this, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And debts and debtors is the language really of um, trespass. In fact, some translations have that in there. It's the, that our sins, our wrongdoing, causes a debt Uh, In this case, a debt to God that we need forgiven. And we have other people who have wronged us and they have a debt to us. They owe us. And yet we're going to grant them grace and forgive them. That's the, the picture being painted here. So forgive us our debts. God, we have wronged you. We're in debt to you. We owe you. God, we can't pay that back. So would you forgive us our debt? That's the request here in this line of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts. And we know that God is gracious enough, good enough, faithful enough to answer that request in the affirmative, Yes, I will forgive your debts. In fact, first John chapter one, verse nine says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, if we'll simply confess them. And so this request really is that idea of humbling ourselves, lowering ourselves before God, acknowledging our need and our debt before God, acknowledging that we've wronged him and that we owe him and we can't pay it back. And we're asking, we're casting ourselves upon God's mercy and saying, God, would you please cancel my debt to you because I can't pay it back. Now, the second half of this line um, is really provocative and and challenging to us. We're asking God to do that, and Jesus says, as we also have forgiven our debtors, that there is a connection between our um, willingness to forgive others who owe us and God's um, ability to grant us forgiveness as well, that somehow there is a connection there. And One uh, one commentator actually puts it like this. He says, We ought not to expect to receive from God what we're not prepared to bestow on others. If we're not willing to give grace and mercy and cancel other people's debts when they owe us, why should we expect God to cancel our debts? In fact, Jesus told several parables along this line that God expects that His grace to us should flow out of us in grace to others. And, I think probably the best way to think about this connection, although um, it's not 100 percent clear. We just know there is a connection, but the best way to probably think about it is this: that forgiving others is how we open our hand to read God's forg- to receive God's forgiveness of us. Forgiving others is how we open our hands to receive God's forgiveness of us. And so we're asking God, we're humbling ourselves before God to give us mercy. And that posture then should make us merciful and humble towards others who have wronged us so that we're willing to give them mercy as well. That those two things interplay together so that that God's forgiveness of us leads to us forgiving others. Um, and that's the way it works in Jesus' kingdom. Forgiveness begets forgiveness. And so we give grace to others as well. Now, the the next line in the Lord's Prayer is this, uh, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In a real way, this is an admission of our vulnerability and our weakness, that we live in a world where Evil is around us where temptation is real. We live in a world where things can go wrong very quickly and we're vulnerable to that and we're weak to that. So this is an admission of our vulnerability and our weakness. But I think we need to make sure we understand it clearly and properly. The word translated temptation just generally means the test, testing. Sometimes it refers to a moral test, i.e. a temptation to do wrong. Sometimes in Scripture it's translated trial because it refers to sort of an external test, a trial-type test, where will we be faithful in the midst of a difficult time? And so this request really is, God, don't, don't, don't put us to the test. We know we're weak. We know we're vulnerable. We don't have much strength. So if you would, God, would you keep us from the hour of testing? And instead, God, deliver us from evil, the evil that's in this world that assaults us Uh, and that attacks us and to which we're so vulnerable. And we actually see Jesus practicing what he preaches here in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before his crucifixion where he says, "Uh, don't lead me into the hour of testing. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done. And so we come before God acknowledging our vulnerability, acknowledging the brokenness of this world, acknowledging the brokenness of our own heart, and we're asking God, God, Please deliver me from evil. Don't put me to the test. Deliver me from the evil because I am weak and I need your help. I need your deliverance. Well, that's that's where the Lord's Prayer formally really ends. The last line of it, um, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, actually isn't in some of the earliest manuscripts of the New Testament. It was probably tacked on later as this prayer began being used in churches and being praised as sort of a, a fitting conclusion to the prayer. And then eventually kind of worked its way into some of the manuscripts, and hence it's in our Bibles, but it's in brackets to let us know that it likely wasn't part of uh, the original words of Jesus. But it's a fitting into The Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom, God, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's where the Lord's Prayer ends. Now, just a couple reflections, observations, as we wrap up the Lord's Prayer. Just some observations about praying in general that I think grow out of what we see here. First is this. Uh, Praying is empowered by a realistic view of God. We address God as our Father who's in heaven. He is somebody who cares for us like a good father, like a wise father. And he's in heaven because he's full of infinite power. And so he's able to help. And so praying is empowered by a realistic view of God. It's not merely talking to ourselves or even thinking to ourselves or worrying. We're talking with the awesome Uh, holy, all-powerful God who's intimate enough, close enough, and loving enough to want to be known as our Father. So when we pray, uh, we remember who God is, the God who loves us and wants the best for us, who's wise enough to know what that is, and who's powerful enough to make it happen. So that's the first observation about prayer. Praying is empowered by a realistic view of God. The next observation I want to make from the Lord's Prayer about prayer, praying, is praying is request. Praying is asking God to do things. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us our daily bread. Praying is request. And so it's not really necessary or right, it's not even biblical, to put down request as like a lower form of prayer. The Bible teaches that prayer is asking. That's a real part of prayer. It's an important part of prayer. It's a legitimate part of prayer. So ask. Ask God for things. Ask him for your daily bread. Ask him to deliver you from evil. Ask him to give you the grace to forgive. Ask him for your basic needs to be taken care of. The Bible teaches that prayer is asking. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 says, let your requests be made known to God. So praying is asking, asking God to do things. And then the third observation from the Sermon on the Mount about praying is this, that praying deals with our real life. Did you notice that as we look down through the lines of the Lord's Prayer, that praying deals with our real life, with our material needs, with our failures and our faults, with our difficulties, our crises, and our struggles. um, That Praying deals with all those things, with the world we really live in, where we want God's will to be done in this world, in us, in and through us, in the world around us. It deals with our real life. And so when we pray, we want it to be connected to the world that we're actually living in. Um, And we're asking our Heavenly Father to fulfill our heart's deepest longing. And He knows what those are, and He'll bring those to fruition either now or in the future, because he's a good father. And so um, so we need to pray. We need to pray about our real life on a regular basis. We need to ask God for things. We need to trust our Heavenly Father to take care of us. So here's what I would say as we wrap up the Lord's Prayer. Learning to pray is like learning to ride a bike. You can only learn it by doing it. And so I urge you to pray. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Start today. Start praying. Start talking to God about your life and his involvement in it. Don't wait till you feel like praying. Uh, Pray today and do it because you love God and you're committed to him. And you know he loves you and he's committed to you. So pray. And when you're not sure what to pray or how to pray, pray. There's nothing wrong with, in fact, there would be everything right with just praying the Lord's Prayer, committing it to memory, and just meditating on it, and let it be an outline for your prayers, and then spinning off of that and letting it kind of prompt you to talk to God about those things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, I want your name to be hallowed, and using the Lord's Prayer as an outline for your prayer so that you can you can actually uh, be guided into prayer, and so don't be afraid to use the Lord's prayer as a launching pad for prayer, and then to expand on it um, as you're learning to pray. And, you know, the reality is that the the longer I walk with Jesus, and the longer I try to pray, the more aware I am of my need for Jesus to help me pray and to help me to know how to pray. That prayer, just for whatever reason, is a struggle; is oftentimes a challenge, and so. We're asking Jesus, just like his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray and help me to learn how to pray and give me the grace to pray. And I've actually already had some response from my podcasts on the beginning of the Lord's Prayer and where, where people have written me some questions they've had about prayer. People just wanting some guidance on prayer. And so here's what I would like to do. I would actually like to do a maybe a short series of podcasts just on prayer. So if you have questions on prayer, if you, you've struggled with prayer, I would love to hear from you and hear some of those questions. So you can email me at... Uh, john at net. john at net. just send me your questions or some of your struggles or the things you've wrestled with in prayer and, and I want to put together a, a short series of podcasts just really exploring prayer and maybe answering some of uh, your questions about prayer and helping us all to to grow and learn from the wisdom of Jesus, maybe with some of the things I've wrestled with as I've struggled to learn how to pray. And so, if you've got questions or you've wrestled with prayer, email those to me at john at johnwhitaker Or if if you're following me on Facebook and Instagram, you can actually direct message me uh, there and send me your questions as well. And I would just love to hear from you and hear maybe what you're wrestling with, and and then I'll put together eventually here a short series of, of podcast, just exploring some of those questions and those struggles in prayer because prayer is so important, so vital to building a friendship with God. And that's the essence of our Christian life is walking with God, doing life with him and prayers at the heart of that. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Again, if you you want to follow me on social media, you can check out my Facebook page or uh, my Instagram page, and you can follow me there. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast because you're finding great value in it and it's being helpful to you, um, you can go to patreon.com slash John Whitaker, patreon.com slash John Whitaker, and you can check out my Patreon page and and you can become a patron of the Bible and Life Podcast. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time on the Bible and Life